of uh, texts from people in uh, teaching about this new, <laughs> new new computer system that some schools have where you have to apply for a hall pass to go to the bathroom on your Chromebook, and then it gets approved somewhere, and then they track how long you're at the bathroom. Anyway, more on that later and, uh, and, and why it might be happening. Also, the latest impeachment wrinkle is, um, I don't know, they're voting on something, and we'll see what happens. I think... President Trump may have crossed the wrong mustache. I'm wondering if John Bolton is just not biding his time. He feels like he was wrongly treated and he's going to drop a bomb at some point. Well, there are those who are predicting he's waiting for the right moment and then his vengeance will come thundering across the mountainside like, uh, you know, the the helicopters in... in the, what what was the movie with the charge of the Valkyries? Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, that's right. Um, and he'll say, you messed with the wrong mustache. I tell you what, one thing about Bolton that everybody mentions when they talk about him is that he is the master of uh, behind-the-scenes intrigue, of uh, politics, meaning politics behind the scene. Yeah, I wouldn't hire somebody who's a master of behind-the-scenes intrigue. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that's going to help me. Yeah, but he was well, Trump's national security advisor. Well, he's calculating. Some would say in a good way, because you have to be to survive in Washington, D.C. But if he's as annoyed as some people think he is, yes, his vengeance will be carefully calculated. Anyway, we'll cover it when it happens. So I became aware of this through our good friend Tim Sandifer, um, Tim the lawyer of the Goldwater Institute. The Washington Post ran this editorial by Richard Stengel, who's the former editor of Time, which used to be a magazine, kids, which used to be when they would print a website on paper because <laughs> there weren't websites. It's amazing. I used to look forward to Time magazine showing up when, like, when I was in high school. Once a week. I can't wait to see what the news is this yeah. week. Yeah, I'd love it. That too. comes on mm-hmm. Thursday. So crazy to think that that's the way you had to get your info. Yep. He's also the author of a book, and he was the State Department's Undersecretary for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs from 2013 to 2016. The uh, piece is entitled, Why America Needs a Hate Speech Law. And I appreciate the Washington Post and others like them running uh, various opinions that they might or might not agree with, because it's the whole marketplace of ideas thing. I only like things I agree with, and for my, uh, my purview. Well, before I get into this guy's absolutely horrific argument against freedom of speech, uh, I must quote the great H.L. Mencken. The whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. In simpler speech, they try to get you scared, then they take your rights. And or they get themselves vaulted into power, vowing to protect you. When I was a journalist, writes Richard Stengel, I loved Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr.'s assertion that the Constitution and First Amendment are not just about protecting, quote, free thought for those we agree with, but freedom for those for the thought we hate. But as a government official traveling around the world championing the values of free speech, I came to see how our First Amendment standard is an outlier. I would jump in and say a glorious outlier. Is that a problem? You don't. You, you, I don't immediately assume being an outlier with the rest of the world is a problem. Even most, the most of the world's a mess. Even the most sophisticated Arab diplomats that I dealt with did not understand why the First Amendment allows someone to burn the Quran, 
Why, they asked me, would you ever want to protect that? Um, hey, Richard, why don't you send me over there? I'll take ten minutes to explain it to them. But he acts like it's an unanswerable question. It's a fair question, he says. Well, yeah, it is a fair question. But it's also perfectly answerable. Yes, the First Amendment protects the thoughts we hate, but it should not protect hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another. In an age when everyone has a megaphone, that seems like a design flaw. It's important to remember that our First Amendment doesn't just protect the good guys. Our foremost liberty also protects any bad actors who hide behind it to weaken our society. In the weeks leading up to the recent election, Russia's Internet Research Agency planted false stories, hoping they would go viral. They did. Russian agents assumed fake identities, and it was all protected by the First Amendment. Boy, he's going way further than I even expected out of this article. The amendment rests on the notion that the truth will win out in what the Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas called a marketplace of ideas. This marketplace model is a long history going back, he explains it, but no one ever quite explained how good ideas drive out bad ideas, or how truth triumphs over falsehood. Milton, an early opponent of censorship, I'm getting madder and madder as I read this. <laughs> Honest to God, I'm having trouble maintaining an equilibrium. Give me a second. I'll you might fall over? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, emotional equilibrium. Oh, okay. <laughs> but thank you for your concern. Uh, Milton, an early opponent of censorship, said truth would prevail in a free and open encounter. A century later, the framers believed the marketplace was necessary for people to make informed choices in a democracy. Somehow, magically, truth would emerge. That is an incredibly condescending and, uh, and loaded phrase. The presumption has always been that the marketplace would offer a level playing field. But in an age of social media, that landscape was neither level nor fair. Then he mentioned studies that showed that middle schoolers and high schoolers had trouble telling the difference between sponsored content and an actual news story. And then he points out that many nations have passed laws to curb the incitement of racial and religious hatred. We call them hate speech laws, but there's no agreed upon definition, he concedes. In general, hate speech is speech that attacks and insults people on the basis of race, religion, ethnic origin, and sexual orientation. I think it's time to consider these statutes. The current law holds that speech that directly incites imminent lawless action can be restricted. But speech doesn't pull the trigger. But does anyone seriously doubt that hateful speech creates a climate? where such acts are more likely. All speech is not equal, and where truth cannot drive out lies, we must add new guardrails. I'm all for protecting thought that we hate, but not speech that incites hate. It undermines the very values of the fair marketplace of ideas that the First Amendment is designed to protect. That is one of the most insidious, evil, dishonest, hubristic, and dangerous things I've ever read. Well, we probably ought to pair that with the, whatever the poll said the other day about the percentage of young people that think that uh, the whole free speech thing needs to be reconsidered. Right. First of all, sir, you have implied that you and people like you can be trusted in defining what is acceptable and what is unacceptable speech. How will you implement that? You'll be in power, right, to pass the laws restricting speech. So the people in power in government will be empowered to limit my speech. 
But it's okay. That square's okay with the First Amendment. You will decide what is hateful or, what was the phrase, inciting hate against that long list of uh, racial, religious, ethnic, sexual-oriented groups. When does opposing somebody in that group, maybe opposing them strongly, become hating them? What if I think they're an idiot? Well, if you buy into the whole critical race theory in that new book out from whatever his name was, um, that uh, anyone who opposes universal health care, for instance, is a racist because it, you know, the health care system disproportionately affects black people. I don't think right. that's true, but that's right. what they're claiming. Well, then you got to ban that. Anything that speaks out against Elizabeth Warren's health care plan would be hate speech. That is absolutely correct. According to the Washington Post review of that book, that's a racist idea. Exactly, and that is one of the dominant uh, philosophies on college campuses these days. So it might take a step or two to get there, but literally anything that the professors say is against the interests of minorities is racism. It is hate speech. And then he goes into his little bit about no one can doubt that this sort of speech builds an atmosphere where violence occurs. Who gets to decide the, I mean, unspeakably fuzzy question of when speech riles people up? Some people, all people, psychotic people, which people? It riles them up enough that they might do something bad. Again, you are claiming for yourself the right to do that? The First Amendment, First Amendment near absolutism, not absolutism, but near absolutism, is one of the most wonderful, beautiful, important things that humanity has ever done. It's up there with fire. It's up there with the very concept of, of, of peace and organizing ourselves to protect our rights. It's one of the most important things that's ever been done. And this guy and people like him say, trust me, I'll limit it only in good ways when I'm in power. You know, on the big... God damn you, Richard Stengel, and anyone who thinks like you. I will fight, I will bleed, I will die to oppose scum like you. Scum is probably uh, ungentleman. Now there goes Joe's equilibrium. Oh, he's on the floor. He's on the floor. He's on his side on the floor. He's I, lost his equilibrium. I disagree, sir. I, I remain upright. <laughs> Seriously, join with me, please. Reject this sort. It's It's seductive, isn't it? I'm just against hate. I'm just against violence. Just let me limit your speech, and I'll guide you to safety. Um, on, on the on the big issues, the whole uh, you know, can you burn the Koran stuff? That's you know, interesting there, um, obviously. But then when you get to the, the mention in the article, particulars like minutia, particulars like articles on Facebook. How in the world would you ever? Deal with that. Right. The voluminous number of them. I mean, who, who would even do that if you were going to try to do that? Algorithms. Well, and the other it's the aspect of this, and you're hearing a lot about it in the news, is that Mark Zuckerberg and, and those like him really ought to be, uh, they ought to be uh, fact-checking uh, politicians. And again, it's a seductive argument. But 
which politicians, when, when does spin cross the line into dishonesty? And yeah, I can recognize blatant dishonesty, and so can you, and we can agree on certain things. Like the example that's been trotted out lately uh, by some activist types, and, and I think AOC uh, mentioned it, is can I run ads claiming Republicans voted in favor of the Green New Deal? And that's a good, blatant, black-and-white falsehood. But the cure is always worse than the disease. Always, always, always. These are human beings who will make these decisions, and they cannot be trusted. History has taught us that lesson every time it's been tried. Just stop it. We had a good non-political thing we were going to do next. I don't remember what it was. I do know that I've got this. They used a decade of data of what the top Halloween candies were. Now, this isn't just a tiny sample from the Mars people. And people love candy corn. This is a decade of sales results. Yes. You don't want to be the house that has an unpopular candy tomorrow night. That would be embarrassing. Unless you get the trick. Exactly. is not good enough. Do you want toilet paper in your bushes? Do you? Do you want your outhouse overturned? There's, a, there's an old-timey trick. I used to just throw an angry rattlesnake into their living room. <laughs> Stay tuned for that and other stuff. On the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. It's true, yesterday kids trick-or-treated at the White House. Yeah, Trump only gave the kids candy if they promised to investigate Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty funny joke. That's a really funny joke. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) Oh, God. I have some data on Halloween candy in, in moments. Um, I have some comments on the impeachment hearing. Oh, did I just say that? Somebody come over here and slap me. But I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. I'm not sure chain wrapping is appropriate, but uh, I I have a little perspective uh, on both sides of the the aisle. Yesterday's testimony at the whatever it was hearing by that army officer. I'm still laughing at that Conan joke. Give them candy if they investigate Joe Biden. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) That is a funny joke. Um, a couple of things. So, uh, we killed Baghdadi the other day, blew him to bits, got the DNA from his underwear to be able to identify the body. Just recapping for you, if you missed it. We're talking a little bit about the way, 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 the way we found where he was. We had a mole inside, and the reason we had a mole inside is Baghdadi, or ISIS, had killed a family member of this dude. That's oh. a good way to turn someone against you. Oh. It was personal. And this guy I ended wondered. up... And this guy ended up overseeing construction work on Baghdadi's safe house. Wow. Oh, boy. That's a good mole. Yeah. So the guy you hired to make your safe house, not just a house, the particular, this is where I'm hiding when the, when the S hits the fan. Right. Is a guy who's working with the CIA or whoever. Designed it specifically so the great Satan cannot get in. Oh, yeah, I'll design it that way, all right. Oh, yeah. And here's the important thing. Don't tell anybody. Oh, I won't tell a soul. Now, I've never been (laughs) the extremist leader of a religious caliphate, um, a ruthless one at that. 
But I would imagine if you're just not going to deal with people who are related to people you've killed, you'd probably run out of people to hire yeah, pretty that, quickly. That, prob- that probably is a problem uh, quite quickly. Um, Although, uh, I tell you what, he dealt with a hell of a lot of people who would turn in their kin for execution. Oh, that's they were that fanatical. And, man, there was a feature. like a loyalty sacrifice sort of thing? Well, sure. They just were putting their wow. vision of God ahead of their evil. Well, you saw it in um, in Maoist China. People would turn in their own parents for not, for being counter-revolutionaries, and they would be dragged out into the street and shot. Uh, uh, political fervor does that to people, especially if you can uh, attach a religious element to it. But there was a feature, I think it was in, on a special report with Brett Bear last night. I guess it was. They were showing that uh, ISIS fam- wives and children's camp in Syria... Um, and these people are still hardcore pro-ISIS, and there are thousands and thousands of them. The women are all wearing the black beekeeper outfit. The kids are screaming at the reporters, get out, you're liars, we won't talk to you. It is a hive of hardcore ISIS beliefs still uh, there enclosed in a fence. Uh, I'm afraid I've run out of time to get to the Halloween candy champs. This is some serious data here. You hear all kinds of crap about what's popular candy, but this is 10 years of top Halloween candy sales. I'll hit you with the top five quickly when we come back so you have the candy people actually like. Is it corn? Is it candy? It's candy corn. Are you Delicious. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I wish I had a handful right now. <laughs> what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, California is crossing their fingers while battling wildfires and waiting for the power to come back on. House impeachment inquiry parameters vote coming up. Would you like some candy corn, Marshall? Nobody wants candy corn. No. No one. Child, adult, no one. I promise that I got to tell you, the most popular candies that we actually purchase over the last 10 years, I assume people purchase what they like to eat or their kids like to eat, uh, five through one. Starburst, you can't go wrong with any of these. Starburst, Snickers. M&M's, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, number one is Skittles. Uh, my kids would be happy to get any of those in their little uh, plastic pumpkin. Candy corn with sex. I got to mention it just because that's there gross. There you go. A little, little old-timey and awful tasting for, for me. but <laughs> Old-timey, just like the First Amendment, Jack. Wow. Just like motherhood, just like the flag. Wow. Mm. Wow. That was uh, really good. Yeah, thank, <laughs> you. Nice. thank you, Sean. Uh, Skittles was also, as I recall, the number one answer uh, to our old bit, uh, candies that sound like venereal diseases. Yes. Skittles, Milky Way. She gave me Skittles. and iced tea. Oh. Mounds. If you have Milky Way or mounds, you need to get to a doctor. Get to a doctor. <laughs> News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, we got fire danger warnings blanketing a large part of California due to gusty winds, extremely dry air. The National Weather Service, though, say the winds are beginning to decline where the firefighters are battling the Kincaid Fire that has now burned more than 76,000 acres in Northern California. Winds in uh, Southern California developing more slowly, but they are getting some gusts now topping 50 miles an hour and more. As As far as the millions of people out of electricity, we got this text, uh, somebody outside of the state of California. I believe this has a mocking tone from somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Not mocking the the great state of California, but since you have half the homeless people and no electricity, maybe you can bring those two groups together, and the homeless can teach others something about living out of doors without electricity. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's fairly devastating. That's, uh, yes. 
Ouch. Uh, as you were mentioning, the power is still out for at least a million people. The state's largest utility is now coming under fire by Governor Gavin Newsom, who is promising to crack down on the for-profit utility companies in his state. We have new oversight, a new director, uh, chair of our Public Utilities Commission, and I can assure you the days of being cozy to these three utilities is over. It, it's absolutely charming that he's pretending to be mad at them mm-hmm. since he yes. was in on the whole former Public Utilities Commission chair and all those people and knows them all, and he and his boss appointed them, and they're absolutely all in bed together. I mean, they are, they are his closest political friends, those who've been overseeing PG&E up until now. So, again, it's just so cute how he's pretending to be angry. Now, the question becomes, have they been forced by the rage of the people, which is only beginning, um, to start doing the right thing? Right. I mean, that remains to be seen. Let me know when you do the right thing, you lying scoundrel. On another matter, as expected, the House Democrats have released the text of a resolution involving the next steps in the impeachment inquiry into President Trump. Now, the House expected to vote on the resolution tomorrow. They're going to debate the details later on today. It'll uh, formally authorize public hearings and the transmission of witness depositions to the House Judiciary Committee, where they will then take a look at it and vote on things. A brief, a brief survey based on the text line is there's way more people that hate candy corn than enjoy it, including <laughs> this text. I wouldn't give candy corn to ISIS. The dislike of candy corn right there. Well, Mike, again, digging into the garbage here because I... Yes. Well, the filing cabinet. I archived it. Right. That's what I'd done. Great history, uh, Christopher Hitchens. My opinion is enough for me. I claim the right to have it defended against any consensus, any majority, anywhere, any place, any time, and anyone who disagrees with this can pick a number, get in line, and kiss my ass. Well... By God, you will get my candy corn from me when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. Yeah, I think that texture is just soft on ISIS. If you really didn't like <laughs> right. candy corn, you right. should be giving it to them. There you go. Meanwhile, the top Ukraine expert of the National Security Council reportedly has told Congress he tried to edit the White House transcript of President Trump's July phone call with Ukraine's president. The New York Times is reporting that Army Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman's uh, testimony says he tried to add details to the document that were left out but failed to do so. Those... The media keeps mentioning this guy's a Purple Heart recipient. I prefer soldiers who don't get injured. Oh, for God's sake. Those... Well, who was that for? I don't know. Who did that, please? I thought that was a provocative statement. It was, it, well, it was good. I mean, I get what you were doing there, but I'm not sure who would have enjoyed it. Nobody. People who like Trump didn't like it. People who hate Trump didn't like it. Right. Nobody liked it. Right. Veterans hated it. Right. Really everybody. I wow. like that nobody liked it, it but was, I'm weird. It was glorious in its horror. <laughs> anyway, those details to the document he tried to add included Trump bringing up potential recordings of Joe Biden talking about corruption in Ukraine, as well as Ukraine's leader mentioning an energy company would hire Biden's son, Hunter. Vindman testified for several hours as part of the House impeachment inquiry against Trump. Testimony that was characterized on uh, nakedly progressive radio NPR as devastating testimony. I have a couple of comments on this. Um, Number one, I've, I've heard Democrats say over and over again that Trump and the call threatened our national security. 
But they never explained how exactly. And it seemed like they were just arguing that, you know, he was selling out our policy or he's crappy at foreign policy or how exactly did it threaten our national security? Well, this guy, uh, this uh, gentleman, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, explained that Ukraine is important to our national security as a hedge against Russia and they're our body. And that this made our policy with Ukraine shaky because if it had appeared partisan, like Ukraine was a partisan friend and not a bipartisan, everybody agrees we ought to be helping them friend, that could weaken the consensus in the Senate for supporting Ukraine. So he was worried about his policies, his preferred policies, being weakened. By, you know, the bipartisanship going right. which is fair enough. And, I mean, that's the sort of thing that happens in the State Department in foreign policy. You want support for your preferred policy, but that's just his policy preference. Well, here's, here's my overarching thing on impeachment and why I'm not paying that much attention to it yet. The same crowd that is telling me this was devastating testimony told me for two years... That this was devastating. This is a devastating fact. This is devastating testimony, right. and nothing freaking happened. Nobody's devastated, <laughs> and nobody was devastated enough for anything to happen. It all went away. The Russian collusion story. Every day for two years, devastating result today, and the Russian collusion right. story. Okay, right. nothing happened. Right, and it's the right. same people telling me this now. So, eh, I'm, I got a bit of a boy who cried wolf thing going. Right. The other thing they emphasized was this guy said there were things left out of the call and that of the transcript, and they're making a big deal of that. But then they get down to it and say what was left out didn't change anybody's understanding right. of what happened. So, and and the other comment that I really want to throw in is Trump called the guy a never Trumper, which is entirely possible. I mean, that's right. that's that's not an insult. That's just a political stance and. Mainstream media is trying to pretend that Trump uh, denigrated this decorated war hero. Now, some people like Laura Ingram and those like them are actually denigrating this guy, calling his loyalty into question, whether he's a good American, maybe he's an agent, maybe he's a Ukrainian agent. Oh. Maybe that's where his loyalty's like. That's despicable. Cut it out. Just stop. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. And again, if I... Ask my wife how her day was when I get home today. I can label that an impeachment inquiry if I want. There's no official <laughs> yeah. stand. That's not a thing. It's just a name. So it's just, just let me know when something happens. Here's a nugget for you. So we've had people uh, say that they listen to us on the podcast and speed it up. Running at like one and a half times speed. I think one and a quarter is considered by a lot of people a sweet spot. Depends on your brain. But the important part is that people say once you start doing that, real life seems too slow. Isn't that odd? Which and disturbing. Which would trouble me. Yeah. Um, your wife, your kids, your you know regular speech seems too slow. Well, now Netflix has a feature that you can watch shows and movies at one point two five speed. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> And people will start doing that. So everything in the world, sitting in a park, yeah. watching watching a dog chase a ball, will seem too slow to you right. because your brain's used to the Netflix speed. <laughs> Which sunsets? Will... The sun's got to go. <laughs> you just you can't you can't handle it. Life as time lapse. Um, will this make people more likely to put down their device and engage with other real people, or will it make them less likely? 
And then ultimately... When every conversation seems way too slow. And ultimately, will it make you happier or less happy? Or will it make you kill yourself? Mm-hmm. The second one is the answer. Right. Uh, well, you know what? It's, it's wild to watch this experiment unfold. I, I feel bad for the misery that a lot of people are feeling in the modern world right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not empowered to do anything about it other than to urge you to resist the temptations of uh, modern technology. We should revisit at some point the uh, story we did yesterday uh, on the question of should you tell a loved one they're overweight? Oh, yeah. uh, is that a good idea? Because it's a health concern. It's a major health concern. Is it like telling somebody, you know, you're smoking, you really shouldn't smoke, here's why? Do you say you're overweight, here's why? Uh, <laughs> most people seem to think that's a bad idea, but... Um, we got into that, and man, we got a gazillion texts and emails on that topic. And also, the story that we had today of uh, schools tracking everywhere a student goes. To the bathroom, you have to apply online to go to the bathroom, and then the school keeps track of who's meeting who in the hallway and stuff. It's just a wild. We got teachers weighing in on that. So a couple of different things. On the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was just watching a highlight of the Washington Nationals manager going absolutely ape dung after a call he didn't like. Uh, the guy's got a heart condition. He had a procedure or something, and he's enraged. I mean, like normal people never get in their lives screeching and attempting to fight an ump, which would end his career. And the interesting part about that call, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, number one, I'll keep this very brief. Number two, I don't want to reset it. Um, my, my buddy who is a major league ump said, that's a first day of umpire school call. It's an easy call. It's clearly correct. There's no controversy here. Um, but the stakes were so high, they just wanted to you know, dot their I's and cross their T's. You're putting me say, in a jackpot. Where do I get my shot, Tommy? Just give me my shot. <laughs> also coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show, a taco truck served ice workers. Not people who sell frozen water, but the, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement people. This taco truck served ice workers and apologized the, to the community for it. They're forced to apologize. Then we're forced to apologize for that apology. So, that's crazy. The question was posed, do you ever tell someone you love that, hey, uh, you're overweight? Now, there are a number of different approaches to it, obviously. I'm worried about your health was the uh, the suggestion way you go about it. Right, exactly. Not, I don't find you as hot anymore or anything. Or like I don't like fat people no. or anything like that. It's... There are a number of health conditions that go along with being overweight, and I love you and I'm concerned about you. Uh, we received many, many, many texts, a number of emails, some of them attempting humor, which I don't appreciate. Greg writes, women who are overweight live longer than the men who mention it. <laughs> oh. Oh, That's pretty funny. Oh, boy. Uh, Tom has been married a couple of times. Doesn't recommend telling your wife she looks fat in those jeans. I wonder if those are two facts are related. He says, my weight's been up and down my whole life. Had folks tell me I'm getting heavy, and I appreciated it. I'd say you're in a minority, but, you know, if you mean it. God, I I can't imagine uh, telling my wife, I'm worried about your 
your health from your weight gain. I just can't imagine saying that and, and it, it, it going well. Christian here, who is a master of diplomacy, says, I just suggested we both start eating healthier and exercising to set a good example for the kids yeah. and start meal prepping so that all of us start making good choices. You know, my last minute meals are bad meals. You know, my wife actually said that to me the other day. Maybe that was her subtle, carefully worded way of telling me I've gained too much weight. Saying we need to set better examples for the kids and exercise. And yeah, I think we ought to do more meal planning, just as an example for the kids, Porky. I mean, fatty. I mean, fat ass. I mean, I mean, Jack. Less I mean, shoveling <laughs> cookie dough in your face at an alarming rate in front of the children. As an example. For example. Then laying on the couch and watching the World Series. <laughs> right. Just, you know. <laughs> you know, we got this note. I, I just thought it was so interesting. It stuck in my mind. Um... Uh, uh, Aileen Anonymous writes, Many women are uh, overweight as a method of coping with sexual assault. Many of us feel we hide better when fat and we're not a target if we aren't attractive. I've battled since I was 18 years old surviving a home invasion to lose weight. Every time I get to a certain point, I sabotage myself subconsciously. I don't know how common that is, but the fact that it exists at all is heartbreaking. And, oh, and no, Christy, my God, that's or horrifying. Aileen, I hope you find happiness and peace. I argue with the word many. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we got the guy who said, uh, he said to his wife, have you just given up? Or oh, what's the situation? Oh, boy. And that, that didn't go no. Well. no. 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 That's not the way to. And again, I offer my services to that gentleman. Anytime you think of saying anything to your wife, Run it by me. The interesting thing to me is, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, is I've heard this over and over and over, and it's happened to me. When you finally get serious about losing some weight is when you see a picture of yourself from a certain unflattering angle, and you think, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's a big moment. Why does that work? And somebody telling you not work. It's 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 got to be all the entanglements of... Ego and, you know, just everything that goes with personal relationships. Sure. There's, yeah. You don't have that with a photo. Yeah. that That's such an intriguing question. It really I, is. I haven't really thought about it much, but it, it's got to be just the, the coldly rational, <laughs> um, it, it, it's the unimpeachable testimony of fact. That's me. In my case, I, I remember... When I first lost a lot of weight, it was when uh, our first kid, Caitlin, was born. It was She was about a year old. And, you know, oh God, Jack and I were just starting our career. Judy and I were broke. We worked insane hours. I got a baby in the house. Judy was working, so I, I would come home. I never got any sleep. I would fight to stay awake and care for my child. And by God, I was going to have some pleasure somehow. And for me, that goes down my throat. And so she was about a year old. I was holding her. I was wearing a Cubs hat. I had a beard. I can picture it now. Wow, you can picture the picture. Oh, yeah. I, absolutely. I can describe the room to you and everything. Um, and uh, and my head looked so big, it should have had moons orbiting it. It was just my faith. I was just, I was enormous. Fat! And I thought, oh, my God, that's me. And so I lost a ton of weight. Yeah. Then gained it back again. Then lost it again. Then gained it back again. Then lost part of it. Then gained it. Then lost more and gained some of it. Um. Yeah. And that continues until you die. Apparently. Perhaps. The lose it, gain it back. The lose it, gain it back. 
Um, fire approaching the Reagan National Library in Simi Valley. Uh-oh. I don't know if they've got a plan to stop it before it gets there, but that'd be something. Yeah. I don't think a presidential library has ever burnt down. No, I, I don't imagine it's constructed in a way that that's very likely, but you would hope not. I would have thought some of these gazillion-dollar wineries that have burnt down wouldn't burn down. And a lot of things that have burnt down in recent years, yeah. I would have thought there's no way they could burn down. Yeah. And then they did. The roof, my friend. The roof is the weak point. Um, we were talking about schools earlier, and uh, this is a slightly different topic. So it's a bit of a controversy to start with, student IDs having a, a suicide hotline number on them. We have an uh, exploding number of suicides among young people. It's, it's very troubling. It's very serious and all that sort of stuff. You know, and do you think that's a good idea or not? You're, you're introducing the topic, which sometimes, you know, there's all that. Right. But if you're going to put a suicide hotline number on a, on a Heidi at a middle school, I don't want you introducing the topic of suicide to my middle schooler, but that's just me. Um, make sure you get the number right. The number was not right, and it was a sex hotline number. Oh, How does that boy. even possibly happen? Are you sure? Has this been verified to be real? This is from a real news organization. How, the, how do you not only get the number wrong, but it's not a flower shop or a grocery store or a gas station? It's, it's a got sex to be hotline. porn. Why? The middle school administrators well, will be and, collecting. And, and did it work? I mean. You know, I'm not suicidal anymore. <laughs> she breathed heavily into the phone, and I feel fine. The middle school administrators will be collecting all student IDs today and will be printing new student IDs and distributing them to students. Well, I think that's a good idea. With the uh, lawn care hotline number on there instead. Exactly. At least it's, listen, we didn't solve the problem, but it's an improvement. Well done, somebody. 